Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by the very fine friends of ours at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll have a drop-down menu that says read ACIMOE. Also on that drop-down menu, there's an option to subscribe to receive daily excellent email from the Course in Miracles Society that includes the text that we read here on the call every day, as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 3 with Retraining the Mind, Section 6, Conflict and the Ego. We're also mindful of our lesson today. I am not a victim of the world I see. And by way of opening this morning, I was gifted with just the most apropos poem, old poem from Hafiz. You'll recall um, he's known as the Laughing Poet. Some of his works are found in a book called I Heard God Laughing. But this particular one, uh, I did dig a little deeper for Stanzas, of course, as poetry doesn't have titles. But here we go. Love sometimes wants to do us a great favor. Hold us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. I think there's one on the line. I'm just going to tap it if I can find it. Here we go. All right. So love sometimes wants to do us a great favor. Hold us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. Stay close to any sounds that make you glad you are alive. Ever since happiness heard your name, it's been running through the streets trying to find you. I wish I could show you when you are lonely in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. There are different wells within your heart. Some fill with each good rain, and others are far too deep for that. But fear is the cheapest room in the house. I would like to see you living in better conditions. I am not a victim of the world I see. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. It was great. Thank you. I had trouble. You were real wisp, kind of up too close, possibly to the microscope uh, phone. Excuse me to process some of the words you were saying. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, maybe I have a chance to do that again later. Am I, is this better? I hope so. That much better. Okay. 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 All right. Well, thanks for letting me know, Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, well, here's our reading list, my friends. We have Lemoyne, Diana, Fran, Donna, Karen, and Jessica. Ida's with us listening. And uh, who else has joined us this morning that we'd love to welcome? 
Good morning, Lori. Good morning, everyone. It's Lana. I can read. Thanks, Lana. Good morning. It's Robin Marie, and I'm listening. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Hi, everybody. It's Anyone else? Oh, you're listening, Jude? Yes, thank okay. you. Glad you're here. All righty. Okay, so here we go. Retraining the Mind, Section 6, Conflict and the Ego. Starting with paragraph 38. The soul knows, loves, and creates. These are its unequivocal functions. The abilities man now possesses are only shadows of his real strengths. All of his functions are equivocal and open to question or doubt. This is because he is not certain how he will use them. He is therefore incapable of knowledge, being uncertain. He is also, right now, sorry, I lost my page. He is also incapable of knowledge because he can perceive lovelessly. He cannot create surely because his perception deceives. Perception did not exist until the separation had introduced degrees, aspects, and intervals. The soul has no levels, and all conflict arises from the concept of levels. Only the levels of the Trinity are capable of unity. The levels which man created by the separation cannot but conflict. This is because they are essentially meaningless to each other. Oh, Lemoy. Okay. I just <laughs> I just want to note there's a little more inserted into the online edition. Okay. Uh, chapter three: Retraining the Mind. Section 6, Conflict and the Ego. The soul knows, loves, and creates. These are its unequivocal functions. The abilities man now possesses are only shadows of his real strengths. All of his functions are equivocal and open to question or doubt. This is because he is not certain how he will use them. He is therefore incapable of knowledge being uncertain. He is also incapable of knowledge because he can perceive lovelessly. He cannot create surely because his perception deceives and illusions are not pure. Perception did not exist until the separation had introduced degrees, aspects, and intervals. <coughs> the soul has no levels, and all conflict, all conflict, arises from the concept of levels. Wars arise where some regard others as if they were on a different level. 
All interpersonal conflicts arise from this fallacy. Only the levels of the Trinity are capable of unity. The levels which man created by the separation cannot but conflict. This is because they are essentially meaningless to each other. Freud realizes perfectly, and that is why he conceived the different levels in his view of the psyche as forever irreconcilable. They were conflict-prone by definition because they wanted different things and obeyed different principles. In our picture of the psyche, there is an unconscious level which properly consists only of the miracle ability and which should be under my direction. There is also a conscious level which perceives or is aware of impulses from both the unconscious and the superconscious. Consciousness is thus the level of perception, but not of knowledge. Again, to perceive is not to know. Thank you, Lemoyne, and thank you for uh, that little bit about the online edition um, in that first paragraph. So, Diana. Chapter 39. Freud realized this perfectly, and that is why he conceived the different levels in his view of the psyche as forever irrefractive. Con, um, irreconcilable. They were conflict-prone by definition because they wanted different things and obeyed different principles. In our picture of the psyche, there is an unconscious level which properly consists only of the miracle ability and which should be under my direction. There is also a conscious level which perceives and is aware of impulses from both the unconscious and the superconscious. Consciousness is thus the level of perception, but not of knowledge. Again, to perceive is not to know. Consciousness, 40, was the first split that man introduced into himself. He became the perceiver rather than the creator in a true sense. Consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. The ego is the man-made attempt to perceive himself as he wished to be rather than as he is. This is an example of the created creator confusion we have spoken of before. Yet man can only know himself as he is because that is all he can be for sure of. Let me repeat that, please. Let man, yet man can only know himself as he is because that is all he can be sure of. Everything else is open to question. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. I'm Fran. 
40. <clears throat> Consciousness was the first split that man introduced into himself. He became a perceiver rather than a creator in the true sense. Consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. The ego is a man-made attempt to perceive himself as he wished to be rather than as he is. This is an example of the created-creator confusion we have spoken of before. Yet man can only know himself as he is because that is all he can be sure of. Everything else is open to question. 41. The ego is the questioning compartment in the post-separation psyche which man created for himself. It is capable of asking valid questions but not of perceiving valid answers because these are cognitive and cannot be perceived. The endless speculation about the meaning of mind has led to considerable confusion because the mind is confused. Only one-mindedness is without confusion. A separated or divided mind must be confused. It is uncertain by definition. It has to be in conflict because it is out of accord with itself. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. 41. The ego is the questioning compartment and the post-separation psyche, which man created for himself. It is capable of asking valid questions, but not of perceiving valid answers, because these are cognitive, and cannot be perceived. The endless speculation about the meaning of mind has led to considerable confusion because the mind is confused. Only one-mindedness is without confusion. A separated or divided mind must be confused. It is uncertain by definition. It has to be in conflict because it is out of accord with itself. 42. Intrapersonal conflict arises from the same basis as interpersonal conflict. One part of the psyche perceives another part as on a different level and does not understand it. This makes the parts strangers to each other without recognition. This is the essence of the fear-prone condition in which attack is always possible. Man has every reason to feel afraid as he perceives himself. This is why he cannot escape from fear until he knows that he did not and could not create himself. He can never make his misperception, misperceptions valid. His creation is beyond his own error, and that is why he must eventually choose to heal the separation. Thank you, Donna. I'm Fran. 
I just read. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I know you did. <laughs> that, that's not right. I, <laughs> thank you very much. I can't read my writing this morning either. Um, and Karen. 42. Interpersonal conflict arises from the same basis as interpersonal conflict. One part of the psyche perceives another part as on a different level and does not understand it. This makes the parts strangers to each other without recognition. This is the essence of the fear-prone condition in which attack is always possible. Man has every reason to feel afraid as he perceives himself. This is why he cannot escape from fear until he knows that he did not and could not create himself. He can never make his misperceptions valid. His creation is beyond his own error, and that is why he must eventually choose to heal the separation. 43. Right-mindedness is not to be confused with the knowing mind because it is applicable only to right perception. You can be right-minded or wrong-minded, and even this is subject to degrees, a fact which clearly demonstrates a lack of association with knowledge. The term, quote-unquote, right-mindedness, is properly used as the correction for, quote-unquote, wrong-mindedness, and applies to the state of mind which induces accurate perception. It is miraculous because it heals misperception, and this is indeed a miracle in view of how man perceives himself. Thank you, Karen. And uh, Jessica... 43. Right-mindedness is not to be confused with knowing mind, with the knowing mind, because it is applicable only to right perception. You can be right-minded or wrong-minded, and even this is subject to degrees, a fact which clearly demonstrates a lack of association with knowledge. The term, quote, right-mindedness is properly used as the correction for, quote, wrong-mindedness and applies to the state of mind which induces accurate perception. It is miraculous because it heals misperception, and this is indeed a miracle in view of how man perceives himself. 44. Perception always involves some misuse of will because it involves the mind in areas of uncertainty. The mind is very active because it has willpower. When it willed the separation, it willed to perceive. Until then, it willed only to know. Afterwards, it willed ambiguously. And the only way out of ambiguity is clear perception. The mind returns to its proper function only when it wills to know. This places it in the soul's service 
where perception is meaningless. The superconscious is the level of the mind which wills this. Thank you, Jessica. And Lena. Okay, 44. Perception always involves some misuse of will because it involves the mind in areas of uncertainty. The mind is very active because it has will because it has willpower. When it willed the separation, it willed to perceive. Until then, it willed only only to know. Afterwards, it willed ambiguously. And the only way out of ambiguity <laughs> is clear perception. The mind returns to its proper function only when it wills to know. This places it in the soul service where perception is meaningless. The superconsciousness, the superconscious is the level of the mind which wills this. 45. The mind chose to divide itself when it willed to create both its own levels and the ability to perceive, but it could not entirely separate itself from the soul because it is from the soul that it derives its whole power to create. Even in miscreation, will is affirming its source or it would merely cease to be. This is impossible because it is part of the soul which God created and which is therefore eternal. Thank you, Lana. And would there be a new reader for 45 and 46? I could do that. Thank you, Rob Marie. 45. The mind chose to divide itself when it willed to create both its own levels and the ability to perceive, but it could not entirely separate itself from the soul because it is from the soul that it derives its whole power to create. Even in miscreation, will is affirming its source or it would merely cease to be. This is impossible because it is part of the soul which God created and which is therefore eternal. 46. <clears throat> the ability to perceive made the body possible because you must perceive something and with something. This is why perception involves an exchange or translation which knowledge does not need. The interpretive function of perception, actually a distorted form of creation, 
then permitted man to interpret the body as himself, which, though depressing, was an attempt to escape from the conflict he had induced. The superconscious, which knows, could not be reconciled with its loss of power because it is incapable of darkness. This is why it became almost inaccessible to the mind and entirely inaccessible to the body. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there another new reader for 46 and 47? Yes, Lori, I'm all in. Thanks, Jude. Ability to perceive made the body possible because you must perceive something and with something. This is why perception involves an exchange or translation, which knowledge does not need. The interpretive function of perception, actually a distorted form of creation, then permitted man to interpret the body as himself, which, though depressing, was an attempt to escape from the conflict he had induced. The superconscious, which knows, could not be reconciled with its loss of power because it is incapable of darkness. This is why it became almost inaccessible to the mind and entirely inaccessible to the body. Therefore, the superconscious was perceived as a threat because the light does abolish darkness merely by establishing the fact that it is not there. The truth will always overcome error in this case. This is not an active process of destruction at all. We have already emphasized that knowledge does not do anything. It can be perceived as an attacker, but it cannot attack. What man perceives as its attack is merely his own vague recognition of the fact that it can always be remembered, never having been destroyed. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And um, is there another new reader for 47 and 48? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. Okay. Um, all right, I'll just read. Thereafter, the superconscious was perceived as a threat because light does abolish darkness merely by establishing the fact that it is not there. The truth will always overcome error in this sense. This is not an active process of destruction at all. We have already emphasized that knowledge does not do anything. It can be perceived as an attacker, but it cannot attack. What man perceives as its attack is merely his own rec- his own vague recognition. I'm going to start that again. Well, we, what man perceives as the attack by knowledge is 
merely his own vague recognition of the fact that it can always be remembered, never having been destroyed. God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know that no miscreation exists. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blotted out. I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge, and as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. I demonstrated both the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind. By uniting my will with that of my creator, I naturally remembered the soul and its own real purpose. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Diana. 48. God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know that no miscreation exists. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blocked out. I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge as a man. I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. I demonstrated both the powerlessness of a body and the power of the mind. By uniting my will with that of my creator, I naturally remembered the soul as its own real purpose. 49. I cannot unite your will with God's for you, but I can erase all misperceptions from your mind if you will bring it under my guidance. Only your misperceptions stand in your own way. Without them, your choice is certain. Sane perception induces sane choosing. The atonement was an act based on true perception. I cannot choose for you, but I can help you make your own right choice. Quote, many are called but few are chosen, unquote, should read, quote, all are called, but few choose to listen. Therefore, they will not choose right, unquote. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Fran. 49. I cannot unite your will with God for you, but I can erase all misperceptions from your mind if you will bring it under my guidance. Only your misperceptions stand in your own way. Without them, your choice is certain. Sane perception induces sane choosing. The atonement was an act based on true perception. I cannot choose for you, but I can help you make your own right choice. Quote, many are called, but few are chosen. Unquote. Should read, quote, all are called, but few choose to listen. Therefore, they do not choose right, unquote. 50. The, quote, unquote, chosen ones 
are merely those who choose right sooner. This is the real meaning of the celestial speed up. Strong wills can do this now, and you will find rest for your souls. God knows you only in peace, and this is your reality. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. Uh, are you on mute, Donna? I guess I was. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh-huh. I'm having trouble with this little flip phone, i got to tell you. Okay, 50. The, the, quote, chosen ones, end quote, are merely those who have chosen right sooner. This is the real meaning of the celestial speed-up. Strong wills can do this now, and you will find rest for your souls. God knows you only in peace, and this is your reality. Pass. Thank you very much, Donna, and thank you, everyone, who read this this morning. Um... Let's see. No, there's way too much to even attempt a summary. So I'm just going to highlight a couple of places. First paragraph from 38, the soul knows, loves, and creates. These are its unequivocal functions, and the abilities man now possesses are only shadows of his real strengths. From paragraph 42, I can't find my paragraph. Intrapersonal conflict arises from the same basis as interpersonal conflict. One part of the psyche perceives another part as on a different level and does not understand it. This makes the parts strangers to each other without recognition. And this is the essence of the fear-prone condition in which attack is always possible. Man has every reason to feel afraid as he perceives himself. This is why he cannot escape from fear until he knows that he did not and could not create himself. He can never make his misperceptions valid. His creation is beyond his own error And that is why he must eventually choose to heal the separation. In 44, perception always involves some misuse of will because it involves the mind in areas of uncertainty. The mind returns to its proper function only when it wills to know. This places it in the soul's service where perception is meaningless. The superconscious is the level of mind which wills this. The mind chose to divide itself when it willed to create both its own levels and the ability to perceive. But it could not entirely separate itself from the soul because it is from the soul that it derives its whole power to create. 
Let's see. Now he tells us some more about levels. But then he gives us he gives us the essence of this whole business of healing levels in paragraph 48. God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know that no miscreation exists. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blocked out. I was a man who remembers the soul and its knowledge. And as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. I demonstrated both the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind. By uniting my will with that of my creator, I naturally remembered the soul and its own real purpose. In 49, I cannot unite your will with God for you, but I can erase, I can erase all misperceptions from your mind if you will bring it under my guidance. Only your misperceptions stand in your own way. Without them, your choice is certain. Same perception induces same choosing. And the atonement was an act based on true perception. I cannot choose for you, but I can help you make your own right choice. Quote, many are called, but few are chosen, end quote, should read. All are called, but few choose to listen. Therefore, they do not choose right. Finally, in 50, the chosen ones are merely those who choose right sooner. This is the real meaning of the celestial speed-up. Strong wills can do this now. And you will find rest for your souls. God knows you only in peace, and this is your reality. And um, we're, uh, I think, just at the perfect place to have a good look at our lesson today. I'm not a victim of the world I see. Before we open the floor, uh, I think it will tie a bow on all this. So, uh, Fran, can we turn to you again? I know you'll say yes, and I'm so grateful. To yeah. lead our reflection, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lori. Thanks, everybody. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. On today, we are on Lesson 31. I am not the victim of the world I see. So I shall read the lesson, and then we will go over and do our practice. Okay. I am not the victim of the world I see. Today's idea is the introduction to your declaration of release. Again, the idea should be applied to both the world you see without and the world you see within. In applying the idea, we will use a form of practice which will be used more and more with changes as indicated. Generally speaking, the form includes two aspects. One in which you apply the idea on a more sustained basis and the other consisting of frequent applications of the idea throughout the day. Two longer periods of practice with the idea for today are needed. One in the morning, one at night. Three to five minutes for each of them are recommended. During that time, look about you slowly while repeating the idea two or three times. 
Then close your eyes and apply the same idea to your inner world. You will escape from both together, for the inner is the cause of the outer. As you survey your inner world, merely let whatever thoughts cross your mind come into your awareness, each to be considered for a moment and then replaced by the next. Try not to establish any thought of hierarchy among them. Watch them come and go as dispassionately as possible. Do not dwell on any one in particular, but try to let the stream move on evenly and calmly without any special investment on your part. As you sit and quietly watch your thoughts, repeat today's idea to yourself as often as you care to, but with no sense of hurry. In addition, repeat the idea for today as often as possible during the day. Remind yourself that you are making a declaration of independence in the name of your own freedom. And in your freedom lies the freedom of the world. The idea for today is a particularly useful one to use as a response to any form of temptation. It is a declaration that you will not yield to it and put yourself in bondage. Lesson 31, I am not a victim of the world I see. Five minutes.
Now I'm going to read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 31. I am not the victim of the world I see. How can I be the victim of a world that can be completely undone if I so choose? My chains are loosened. I can drop them off merely by desiring to do so. The prison door is open. I can leave it simply by walking out. Nothing holds me in this world. Only my wish to stay keeps me a prisoner. I would give up my insane wishes and walk into the sunlight at last. Lesson 31. I am not the victim of the world I see. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, guys. Hi. Good morning. Thank I'd you, like to jump. Go ahead, honey. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm having like a, an emotional breakdown. Absolute emotional breakdown on the inner plane. It feels like rage. It feels like absolute insanity. Um, I meditated on this lesson a lot this morning, and I took some notes afterwards, which I never do, but it was like I was so, so searching for the clarity. I know that my ego interprets what's happening as torture. These emotions are torture, and that's my ego's interpretation. Um, I'm just guessing, but the Holy Spirit would interpret, and not guessing, but... I'm trying to, you know, see it the right way through right-mindedness. Right-mindedness probably would say that these emotions are just sensations moving through me to clear out falsehood and illusions. That what I'm perceiving isn't even real. And not to give it any power. Um, My daughter... It's still like, she's just not functioning. Yesterday she was supposed to take care of something, and she didn't do it all day long. And all day long I was waiting to find out how much it was going to cost me <laughs> for her to take care of it. And she didn't. And um, tomorrow's the first, so she might be being evicted. I don't even know. But right now I'm waiting for her to call me because she's supposed to take care of this car thing. The car, brand new car broke down brand new car is leased and she won't be able to get to work she won't be able to get to the methadone clinic she won't her father will kill her he will lose his mind and those are all external things right they're not even particularly my crisis it's just that she has no one to help her so and and if she doesn't get the car fixed by Friday, she won't be able to work and she could lose her job. Not to mention it's the only shift she has this week and she has no food, no you know. And I don't know personally from the Holy Spirit how much I'm supposed to help. You know, I mean I could take away all her problems and pay everything and go into my savings and I'm seriously considering doing that, but the Holy Spirit really hasn't told me that that's the answer. Because there's always another crisis and another one, and they just keep sucking all my money. So it doesn't feel like solving it that way is the answer. I mean, I could do that, but 
there's always another car accident, another traffic ticket, another uh, health issue, another t- dental problem, another, uh, you know, debt correct- collector. It's just, it's infinite. It's infinite. And I'm so feeling so victimized by the whole situation. And I know Holy Spirit would say, go into the stillness, give the whole problem to God. You know, the problem is in you. It's not the outer world. It's how you're reacting to the outer situation. It's your interpretation of it, feeling responsible, feeling fearful, judging it. I understand all that, but it's like my inner world is is overwhelmed with the emotions. And I know that the answer is, not that the external circumstance has to change, but that my relationship to what's happening has to change. And I just can't feel like I get there by myself. And I'm really, really suffering, so I'm just praying for help. And I know that praying for help from this victim place is ego mind. (laughs) So I like, on an intellectual level, I have a lot of the answers, but on an emotional level, I'm I'm really in it today, and uh, thank you for letting me go first. I'm complete. Uh, thank you, Karen, um, for um, sharing all your vulnerability, and uh, I respect and appreciate that. And um, and let's see what the group comes up with because there are a lot of mothers here. Uh, I'm complete. Well, this is Wendy. Oh, this, is this is Lana. Um, when you shared, I heard myself. I'm telling you, we're having the exact same daughter dream. <laughs> you know, and, and the only thing, I mean, it's drama city every day. There's a new adventure. And I love my daughter, Maggie. You know, I just love her to pieces. Uh, she's got such a gentle heart, and so and um, and she's very smart. She's got an IQ off the charts, but emotionally, she's like a toddler. And um, and you know, from my perspective, from my point of view, I see her making wrong decisions. I see her, you know, I, I could I have a laundry list like you wouldn't believe, and. Um, this has been going on for years, for years. And so, and what gets me through, Karen, is, is a little guidance that Jesus gave me. And um, it's not, you know, like, you know, when I can think of, of my daughter, uh, when I'm perceiving her situations, um, the ego mind tends to take the wrong view. You know, it takes uh, how will this be solved for all time? How will she finally be fixed and be able to function by what I define as normal? You know, and uh, my guidance was from Jesus was was not that. Um, His guidance was to keep me in the present moment and think of only this holy instant. And his guidance is... Do what brings you peace. Do what brings me peace. 
And what brings me peace this moment with my daughter may be radically different than what might bring me peace with my daughter next week or next month. But I can only find peace in the present moment. So I can only look within. And sometimes, you know, it's about bailing her out, giving her money. Other times it's about, no, it's reminding her that she has a Holy Spirit and guiding her to go within and see what shows up. You know, and depending on um, the highest level of forgiveness I'm capable of in that moment will um, dictate my action. So I can only do what brings me peace in that moment, and I'm not going to judge myself for it, and I'm not going to judge my daughter for it. What will bring me peace in this moment? And when I return to peace, you know, when I make that choice for peace, um, it's a very powerful state of mind, and I find that miracles happen. You know, miracles, solutions show up, miracles happen, problems are resolved just by choosing peace for this moment. And, of course, I don't well, know what... And I'm going to call for a minute and because this isn't helping. Um, I think my problem... I'm sorry. My okay. I'm state, complete. It's in my own emotional state. It's not my daughter. But it's how do I deal with these emotions, this craziness. Anyway, I'm going to step off for a second, and I didn't want anyone to keep responding to me. I'll be back. Um, I have to just pray for a minute. I'm complete. Okie dokie. You do what brings you peace. Uh, this is, this you, is Diana. Yeah, this is Diana. Thank you, Lana. If we could just all take a collective moment to pray with her, give her a good thought, give her... God's answer for her. This is this is our call right now, as warriors in Christ, as 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 um, miracle workers, our station in life to, as miracle workers. Thank you for that redirect to help her right now. And I I I have a question. I can maybe just take us to, in a di- different direction real quick. The the um, number forty one number forty one. It talks about the ego, you know, is a questioning compartment of the post-separated psyche which man created for himself. Post-separated psyche. What are, are they referring to? Were we always born? Were we born with an ego? Because there's a question of original sin, you know, in Catholicism that says we weren't born perfect. But then I I have a problem with that because I think we were born perfect. When did the ego come in is my question. Well, this is Lemoyne. I just want to say one thing quickly. That, okay, post-separation, right? So I think what it is that conceiving of everything as separate and myself is separate from everything else, um, that the natural extension of that concept is to view myself as separate parts. And so the ego is the part 
you know, it's like the, it's an imaginary friend, okay? And it's imaginary, and it's an imaginary that it is a, your friend. <laughs> okay, it's that kind of thing that, um, anyway, it questions everything, uh, but not to reach knowledge, but instead to reach judgment and approve the separation. Anyway, I'll stop there. I think it's that kind of thing is what it's pointing at. We divide ourselves from God, and then we divide ourselves further. I'll stop there. Very straightforward, simple, and imaginary friend is a uh, perfect analogy. Yeah, that was a good. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lamar. Friend, Lamar. not friend. <laughs> no, not you. my friend. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank this you for Wendy. encouraging us to take a moment. Uh, yeah, I, I want to do that moment. Can we do like thank a minute you, all together praying? Yes. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Uh, it so happens that I keep a copy of Song of Prayer on my desk um, so I can turn to it for guidance. And I'm reminded in the Song of Prayer that we are asking not to receive, or not to entreat, but to receive what is already given, to accept what is already there to remember and lay down our dreams, rising up as the Holy Son of God as we were created, and remember Him. Let us be sustained in that memory and blessed as we lift our hearts to Him in rising song that reaches higher and higher still until both high and low have disappeared. Faith in the memory of our perfection, our innocence, our love will grow and hold us up as we ascend the shining stairway to the lawns of heaven and the gate of peace. For this is prayer, and here salvation is. This is the way. It is God's gift to us. Uh, Let us pray then to receive what is already given and accept what is already there. 
for the one mind that we all share, the self of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for that moment. Resting in peace. That is her reality. Oh boy. I like what you give out, you get back. So whenever I'm praying for anybody, for anyone, you know, I just reach up to heaven and I pull in that love and I feel it and I give it out because I know what I give out. You know, the prayers and intentions I I have for Karen or any of us mothers that are suffering with our sons and daughters that, you know, we can't see beyond ourselves except to fix them and put that net back under them. And 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 that's what this lesson was saying. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you trusting me? Are you trusting me? Because when we take a little bit of that will back, thinking you don't get it, you don't understand, you can't possibly fix this right now, we're back in ego. And this is where we have to just, with God, you know, with every breath in us, with every fiber in us, that's just scratching at the walls to move forward in this walk, thank God, I can't do this. I am trusting you to help me right now. You know, help me grow out of my old behaviors into a non-regretful person that's going to regret this too if I don't choose right. I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. I wonder um, if I could could just share what I love about this, this particular part of the text that it really does um, unequivocally um, show the difference between my reality, capital reality, as purely mind that knows who created me and how I was created in its likeness and image. Um, love and peace are the conditions um, being love and being peaceful are the conditions for knowing who I am in truth and um, that the soul knows, loves, and creates. These are its unequivocal equivocal functions. Um, you know, that all question and doubt is of man. And, and, and it really explains clearly something to me about consciousness being the domain of the ego, of the separate sense of self, because that was where the split occurred. I don't know when or how or who was, who decided that, I, you know, we were going to be separate from heaven and what the whole purpose of it was or if there was a purpose or not. I don't understand any of that, but it does explain how this happened so I can understand um, that in capital reality, there is no differentiation or distinction or degrees of anything between anything else. In oneness, in knowledge, God knows everything as himself. And I'm capable of 
that that knowledge is in my mind, in my superconsciousness, which is always already in the perfect creation of the one Son of God, as God created it. And that knowledge is always available to me, always here and now, in the present moment. And all i got to do is sit back and relax and say, you know, life is easy, God's got this. When it talks about Christ controlling everything that the ego would like to control, give it all to him. I can't control my bo- the, the health of my body as, as hard as I may try to stay healthy and fit. My body still gets sick. My body still hurts me. I put that under his control. My body, my mind, and the world, everything that is in my body and everybody else's body and everybody else's mind and, and, and the, the world, which is the effect of everybody's mis, miscreations, misperceptions. So the whole dream, in essence, is how I understand it, pulling these bits and pieces and parts together into the unity of the oneness of my creator where all knowledge of himself lies. That there is nothing apart from him. This is all inclusive. But it talks about the split and having, I love this, in paragraph, um, what is it, the letters are so small, numbers 40, paragraph 40. Consciousness was the first split that man introduced into himself. He became the perceiver rather than a creator, and it's identified as the domain of the ego, consciousness. Now, and then it talks about needing something to perceive with. This is where the body came in, that man uses the body as a wish to to make himself into something he's not. And the difference between what we make and how God created us is made very clear in this part of the text. We wish to make ourselves something that we're not, and, and then it gets into this. This is where we're in conflict. I'm in conflict with God. I'm saying I'm something I'm not according to the ideas that I've replaced. My own ideas of who I think I am with who he says I am in truth, that I'm purely mind and purely spirit. And the conflicts come in. Interpersonal, I've got a personal conflict with God, and then I've got a personal conflict with each and every other person on the planet. This is conflict, right smack dab in the middle of me. And it's the essence of the fear-prone condition. In the first chapter, we read about this detour into fear, that we believe that we can change ourselves, that we could distort ourselves, that we could make ourselves into something, and that we're responsible for it. And that's why we're afraid, because we believe we can do this, usurp the power of God in making ourselves instead of accepting the fact that we were created. That is where fear comes from. I feel responsible and guilty for it. And this is something very, very fun, da, dude, mental. This is the, the ground level of 
fear and mistake and self-appraisal. And all I got to do is just simply say, I'm, as God created me here, and just be, be not confused about having this knowledge, it's simple knowledge. God created me. He's the author. He's the author. I have no power over this. But in 46, where it says the ability to perceive, so instead of knowing who I am, I wanted to perceive levels. I wanted to perceive spirit, and I wanted to perceive different things, things other than me. This and that, this and that, this and that. And everything's something other than capital me. I'm separating myself from the capital I am and saying this is other than me. That's what the ego does. I'm going to say capital I am not that. (laughs) That's what the ego does. I am not that. It says what God is not. The ability to perceive made the body possible because he must perceive something with something. This body is an instrument of perception, and that's why we are not the body. We cannot perceive ourselves and know ourselves at the same time. We are not an image to be perceived. These statements in the text are unequivocal between knowledge and perception. This is the undoing of all our misperceptions of ourselves. We don't have to give up perceiving. There's great joy in perceiving differences. The multiplicity in the creation, the creational extension of the love and, and its multiplicity is not denying, denied to us. It's just a mis- misperception of ourself within it. So we're, we're created in surety, the surety of protection of our immortality, our changelessness, our absolute untouchability. This is our invulnerability, that I can't change how God created me. It's so strong, and I love this celestial speed up, yay. <laughs> but God knows me only in peace. And this is my reality, because the king, there's no conflict in the ki- kingdom of God. There is no opposition to anything, because all that is one and the same, there's no, nothing that's different or separate or apart. How could there be any opposition? How could there be any choice between anything if there's only one? I love this part of the text. It was really helpful to me. I hope my share helped you, too. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Well, I know it helped me, Judy. <laughs> I, I loved every word. Every word was so clear. Thank you, Judy. Heartfelt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Judy. <laughs> Thanks, Jude, for your faith. This is Donna. And when we first started reading the lesson today, I heard an interior voice say to me, here is where the rubber meets the road. And then when I read, when I, we were finished reading, um, I began to realize, what does that mean? And I found 
we have a choice in the reading today. And uh, then it seemed to really get finished when we went to the review in the um, lesson today. So, so this is what this is how I'm applying what I read today and um, the light that was given. Choose this day God's will or the will I made. Jesus has volunteered to do the heavy lift if I let him. We as a group present here now very strong wills for him to guide if we let him. Or we can choose again victimhood. I am complete. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you very much. I can't Thank erase you. your misperceptions for you, he says. Beautiful. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. I call it the choiceless choice. Choose truth. Choose God. It's our goal and our aim. Peace, love, happiness, joy. Who would choose against it? <laughs> I'm complete. That's right. Thanks, Jude. Did I hear your hand up, Lemoyne? Hand <laughs> did go off mute. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to thank you, Judy, and you, Donna. I mean, it is a, it is real choice and, and of uh, in the sense of choosing what's real. And I think, you know, this. Uh, I, I really want to thank you, Judy, because you didn't go places I heard you go in the past. And that in Section 5, which was yesterday's section, right, it says true perception is the basis for knowledge. That, you know, having gotten ourselves really confused and uh, seeking help within in our confused state, gave, you know, kind of doubled down on it. And what really needs to happen is to straighten out the perceptions enough to get a basis for knowledge to be become for us to become aware of knowledge, right? But so it says true perception is the basis for knowledge. But knowing is the affirmation of truth. And so it's like finding the rock <laughs> on which to build a, a proper house, if you will. That's a, that's a parable because it's, really, it's not really building at this point. I think in general it's more of a letting. It's just like letting go of all the all the false perceptions, you know, and it, it, if you look at it, it's like, oh, it's too it's daunting, it's too much, but there, there are simplifying, you know, uh, views like the the lesson today, 
which seems to be discontinuous to the to the previous in the sense that the previous is like just like a plunge into unity um and now we're talking about victimhood but um what the i think this is the point that you know first that the little bit of true perception and then we can learn to let go of the false perceptions that just keep us trapped in suffering and that that's the the quote unquote work if you will you know it doesn't but like it says knowledge doesn't inspire doing but it does it does serve to uh i think serve to inform whatever it is we do and let us know okay that's an alignment that's going to take you back <laughs> you know that kind of thing so um uh i i don't know what to say again except thank you judy for your affirmation of truth <laughs> thank you Lemoyne. thanks Lemoyne. very good thank you thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you Lemoyne. I, I agree when you at the book says on page um, uh, 47 41 it has to be in conflict because it is out of accord with itself and and you really kind of sum that up in your in your share thank you but back to a question was there original sin is there such a thing were we born with an ego or do we create that i'm complete very simply very simply diana everyone makes an ego for himself and everyone else the idea of original sin is absolutely counter to the idea that man was created perfect in the image and likeness of his creator and so that idea of sin altogether is the great lie that this course in miracles is uh, to undo sin simply is illusion there is nothing uh, that changes the innocent guiltless perfect loving son of God he is as he was created and will so forever remain um, so that is a great big giant undoing right there <laughs> I'm so glad you asked and I'm complete Wow thank Thanks. you thank you for that yeah thank you for that um, for that opening thank you Thank you, Lori. You bet. You bet. That was uh, when that came to me. You guys, I was a Sunday school teacher. I, I taught original sin and all that stuff uh, to poor little children. <laughs> and oh my goodness sakes, you know, religion has it so backwards. And he tells us that here in the course that there's a great, great, great misunderstanding of God and of ourselves and of creation. And, and it's lent itself to tremendous confusion. Um, so um, that's why forgiveness 
uh, is so critically important. You know, all, all forgiveness does, and this is my part to say today, in paragraph 49, I can unite your will. I cannot unite your will with the Father, but I can. Let me get back to that page because I want to say a couple other things. Cannot unite your will with our Father, but I can, I can erase. I can erase all misperceptions from your mind if you will bring it under my guidance. Only your misperceptions stand in your own way. And that's the whole purpose of this Course of Miracles is to show me that the light of my forgiveness extends to the world and shines forgiveness back at me. Uh, That's the essence of Lessons 31 through 34. Lessons 31 through 34 um, instruct us, give us real information about how these levels of the mind interfere with our relationship to our God and to our creation and to ourselves. 31 through 34 describe the essence of the conflict and show us, give us uh, the tools to heal our mind, to to allow our mind to be healed, I'm going to say. All I need bring to that table is my willingness to have it all undone. That's all. It's a promise right there in paragraph 49. I can erase all your misperceptions. The idea that that uh, I make a problem, whatever the problem is, I call it bad and I judge it and I set it apart from me and now I'm apart from it and my life is disordered and my relationships are screwed up. But that whole idea is the outgrowth of the conflict in my mind, my split, divided mind, where I've buried some things I'm afraid of, where I've buried my truth in my subconscious where I can't reach it. And when my mind is healed by accepting atonement for myself, I realize that, I'm going to say it exactly how he says it in today's lesson, The longer practice periods are important, three to five minutes for each of them. Apply the lesson slowly, close your eyes. After doing it with your eyes open, close your eyes and apply the same idea to your inner world. You will escape from both together for the inner, this is so critical right here, this sentence, the inner is the cause of the outer. My split mind is causing me to feel separate from all creation, from God, from you, from all my brothers, from loveliness, from holiness, from peace, from joy. When I allow my mind to be healed, just as he instructs in this lesson, allow my misperceptions to be healed for me. I can erase your misperceptions, he says, if you will allow me. Forgiveness is done for me. I'm the one who made the problem through my confusion about what I am. 
And when I allow that to be erased for me by uniting my mind with that of my Savior, my holy mind, I'm healed. And as I'm healed on the inside, my world is healed as well. The inner is cause of the outer. Um, that's what I wanted to share today. And uh, now one final thing. It's really helpful for me uh, to look at this as if I'm having coffee with Jesus. And he's telling me, honey, I know you so well. I can tell you exactly how your mind works. This is how it works. And this is the consequence of how it worked. And I get the sense that, you know, um, um, this is all about me. And me is you. And me is everybody. Me is self. He's telling me how it works, how my mind worked, and how he can heal me. So um, he started this chapter uh, with this. This is a course in mind training. All learning involves attention and study at some level. Healing is of God in the end. The means are carefully explained to you. You need to you need to reach these means. And I'm 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 explaining them to you. I want you to listen, pay attention, apply it to yourself, study it a little bit, and it will become clear to you. I promise. Uh, I'm complete. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. That is beautiful. Thank you. Oh, good girl. Yeah, thank you. This is Wendy. I formally take this moment to ask the Holy Spirit to remove all of that from my mind, and I'm grateful and I'm complete. <laughs> thank you, Wendy. <laughs> Thanks, Can we Wendy. just have a moment to allow all of us and God to to stay there in a second with what Lori was trying to explain that we that we can no. can do that. I'm complete. Are we in meditation? Prayer and meditation. Okay. <clears throat> We're not on mute. <laughs> what a problem with my mute button today. Um, no, we're not at meditation, Ida. We were just taking a moment. And I'm happy to say there's still a number of us with us today who haven't had an opportunity to share. So um, in our remaining time, I'd sure like to um, hear from those who haven't had an opportunity. I'm complete. Good morning. I haven't had an opportunity to share, but um <laughs> not sure what I'm going to share. <laughs> 
Um, like, that was really good when we all prayed for Karen, you know, and I think it really helped. And uh, that's what I'm on to share. Thank you very much. I love you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. We are each other's mighty companions, that's for sure. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Well, if no one's jumping in here, <laughs> uh, I, I found a, a really excellent little nugget yesterday in the Urtext, um, and, and I had not read it before, but it turns out to be really significant. Um, in the paragraph, uh, it's paragraph 48, God in the souls he created remain in surety, therefore know that no miscreation or sin exists uh, toward the bottom of that paragraph by uniting my will and inserted in the original ur text is this phrase by uniting my will I brought with that of my creator I brought light back into the mind and naturally remember the soul in its own real purpose um, by uniting my will with that of my Creator, I brought light back into the mind, the mind we share. Naturally, remember the soul and its own real purpose. The reason that's significant or really uh, lights me up is because Lesson 73 is, I will there be light. And Lesson 74 is, there is no will but God's. And Lesson 75 is, the light has come. So when I understand that the ego compartment of my consciousness is non-existent, totally non-existent, only a division in my mind, I understand that when I allow the light to come back in my mind, that ego awareness, that um, part that has judged me uh, fatally and judged God fatally and judged the world fatally, that is gone. And it's a consequence of uniting my will, recognizing that there is no will but God's. If you look at Lesson 74, uh, it's a beautiful meditation on the release of my mistaken ideas about what I am. Just, it's a beautiful meditation uh, that will allow me to realize that the light, the light is in me. I bring the light to what I see when my darkness is healed. That imaginary... Um, compartmentalizing that um, that I love to happen in my mind. I'm complete.
Thank you, Laurie. Ooh, that was really good. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks. Thank you, Laurie. Just really getting down with this perception being the reverse and upside down of the truth, the laws of perception. Um, <laughs> just, you know, right across the board, perceiving myself as I wish to be, um, perceiving others and everything in the world um, through an instrument of perception and the whole idea of perception needing to be undone because it's the reversal of the law of truth um, that the laws of truth and love, that everything is love and, and nothing else is true, <laughs> um, can't be reversed. And, um, you know, that he, he will, if I'll let him, replace every idea in my mind that, that ever would persuade me to think that something is not love or lovable. Um, you know, I just... I just think, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't ask me what my opinion of, of his creation is, what I prefer, what I like or what I dislike. It's like, you know, all that personal interpretation stuff. Really, willing, the willingness to, to let all my preconceived ideas, my preconceived notions, beliefs, and assumptions about what I think things are, um, and 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 really opening my mind to the fact that God is totally beneficent, and our and our reality is is beyond even an idea of of being victim to something. That we cannot be hurt, we cannot hurt each other. That we are perfectly unaffected by a lack of love either from ourselves or from others or others are affected by it a lack of love from me you know it says it in one part of the text and I remember reading that and thinking I didn't think that was true at all I so believed that I could hurt people and that people could hurt me and I was really affected by um, people not loving me or my perception that they weren't loving me the way that they should love me or the way that I felt I needed to be loved. You know, this this is a total undoing of all those mis, misperceptions, misconceived ideas that come from a sense of separation and how absolutely beautiful it is to be out of that. Um, and I'll make room for someone else to share. Please do. I love hearing your voices, too. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. This is Lemoyne. I... (laughs) I... You know, as part of uh, (laughs) this return, which is aided by this course, but there was a a long period where 
I won't say I was fixated, but I kept returning to this idea of original sin. And I think, you know, um, Lee and I, Lee and I kind of went back and forth on this a little bit. He would say sin is only error. It is only error. Um, but I think there is a distinction, the distinction between an error, which is like, um, you know, say I drop something, break it, and then, you know, all there is to do is clean it up, you know. And error calls only for correction. But to make it a sin is to believe that the error is cause for judgment. And then, you know, believe things, believe that that error is pointing to some deeper error that is inherent and, and not just a misperception of myself. Um, so, you know, this is a, one of the things that I hadn't ever really seen, but I think it's pretty clear, actually even still in the Bible, which I think has been worked over pretty hard uh, by those who would control um, because it's not, you know, Christ control is, is, <laughs> will lead to only blessing, you know, not really control, um, in the way we think of it. And the need to control, the need to judge, it comes from perhaps original sin is simply the belief in sin and the utility of making judgments and dividing things further rather than healing the separation. Because uh, the Course does say that um, we need to learn to view the world as a means for healing the separation. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so... That perception, you know, it's to be lost in the hall in the hall of uh, <clears throat> doors of perception, where each door opens to another hallway, and there's more ways, separate, seemingly separate ways to perceive things. But the answer to that is correcting the perception, right? That. Section four, miracles are as accurate perception. The miracle is available to the right-minded who will to perceive correctly. So the miracle perceives everything as it is. Or, you know, in, in practice... You know, the miracle is the correct perception of one part of the whole. And so it's capable of viewing parts, but remembers the whole. And that this is, this is right-mindedness or Christ consciousness. It is not the answer, but it makes the answer available, I think is, is what it is. So it says in miracles is accurate perception. If you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions 
in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth, real truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it. Act, how does it do it actively? Well, you know, the truth... <laughs> The truth will, the truth of what is will remind you of itself in accurate perception in that state of right mindedness. And uh, so, I mean, it does say in the manual that's all we can really do is provide the example of someone whose mind has been changed for him. <laughs> anyway, I'm complete. Yeah. His mind has been changed for him. Amen. Thanks um, for mine. I really, I'm so into this um, discerning. And Lori, I caught the end of the call yesterday where you spoke of the um, distinction between Christ controlling everything in time and space, which is what we perceive the world to be, and um, how fear is corrected, corrected when... I ask for the conditions which, in the conditions which fear presents itself, like, okay, I'm afraid I can't, I'm not going to be able to um, get my car fixed because I don't have enough money. So the perception, true perception or, or uh, right-mindedness is perceiving that all is well and that, you know, everything will happen in the right time, in the right place for everybody concerned. And um, that... Um, in calling upon Christ's direction and asking for his direction in how I should proceed is how I ask for Christ's direction in, in, in perceptions of problems in the world. Maybe you two could, could speak of those distinctions more, please. I just you know, want to thank... Lemoyne, real quick, for his share. Thank you. No, thank you, Diana. Yeah. Um, in response to that, Judy, I'm just going to keep it real simple for now because we're about to the end of our recorded conversation. Um, pointing again to I was a man, paragraph 48, God of the souls he created remain in surety. Therefore, no, I have... But my mind is healed. Um, my soul knows that everything is perfect and changeless. And that's the truth. But then he says, truth cannot deal with unwilling errors because it does not will to be blocked out. That means I'm unconscious of these beliefs and concepts that color my world. I'm unconscious of them. I'm not aware of them. I can't um, say, oh, I see where my mistake is. I, I need to have that particular thing corrected. Truth um, cannot deal with unwilling errors. It's because, um, for example, I will to tell a lie, and I'm aware that I'm telling a lie. Um, truth can deal with that <laughs> because I will to make that error and I can change my mind. I'm aware of it. 
there are many things I do unconsciously that cause injury. There's many things I uh, believe that unconsciously um, shed judgment on something I'm seeing. I, I'm not aware of that. Truth cannot deal with that. I can't say, oh, I see, uh, here's a Band-Aid for my mind. I'll put it on that particular place. I'm unaware of it. I can't do that. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blocked out. It's, it's not accessible to me. So he says, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge, and here's the clue. As a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge, like, oh, you silly, you're not supposed to tell lies. Um, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. Okay, that is, um, here's a good analogy I was sharing with somebody this morning. Things that, um, concepts and beliefs that wind up being judgments that I project uh, rather than truth as an experience of true relationship. Things that I'm unconscious of bubble up in the same way bubbles um, bubble up in seltzer water. And when they bubble up to the surface because of some experience I'm having, a situation I'm in, a difficulty I'm having with another person, um, these are gifts to me, these things, because they reveal to me beliefs and concepts of which I had not been aware that were interfering with my peaceful and loving relationship with the situation or the person. So these things that bubble, and lessons are really good this way. Lessons cause the bubbling up of little mistakes in my subconscious that I'm not aware of. They're just like little slivers down there in my subconscious. And when they bubble up to the surface, I have access to that error. And I can deal with it by saying, oh, please correct my mind. I did, this was not my will. I did not will to have this interference. I did not will to have this adjustment. I, did, I didn't will that. It's now something I'm aware of, and I can do something different. I can change my mind to think with God's. <laughs> See? And so that's what life is uh, to me, and that's what these lessons are to me. They expose the little beliefs and concepts in my um in my subconscious that I'm not aware of that uh, cause my world to look dark in the same way that he says, I did not try on our page. I did not attempt to counteract error. You see what I'm saying? If I say, oh, you, you did a mistake, shame on you. Um, that's like trying to be destructive to myself. The Course of Miracles is opposite of that. It's healing. Um, not by counteracting error, not by judgment, not by condemnation, not by any means that are destructive at all, rather than by gentle willing, <clears throat> gentle willing for me to release my problems, my concepts, my beliefs, my misperceptions from the bottom up. And I translate that and I'll just say this is how it works for me. I bring my illusion to the truth. 
I bring my illusion to the truth when it bubbles up into my awareness. Oh, I see. I made a mistake. I'm not thinking right. There's uh, an idea I want to release. And uh, that's how I apply forgiveness. So anyway, that was a really excellent question. I didn't mean to go on about it so long, but um, I found that paragraph um, as a real light in my mind. And I like to... Uh, follow the one who escaped this whole dilemma. <laughs> so, as we all do, of course. Anyway, uh, I'm complete, and uh, I think I'll end the recording just about right there. <laughs> That's a perfect paragraph to to uh, hold while we end the recording. Um, <clears throat> I have to do it with my phone because uh, my computer is not available right now. Take me just a second to find it. There it is. Okay. <laughs>